How you doing, kid? Good. We finally meet face to face. Yeah. Are you afraid of me? No. That's good. What's your name? Clodro. <laughs> That's a big name. You got a nickname or something? No. What do your friends call you? Clodro. That makes sense. What are you, a Yankee fan? Yeah. Sit down. No, no, come over here. Sit over here next to me. Come here. So you must be pretty upset after the Yankees lost. Bill Mazeroski. I hate him. He made Mickey Mantle cry. The paper said that the Mick was crying. Mickey Mantle, is that what you're upset about? Mickey Mantle makes $100,000 a year. How much does your father make? I don't know. You don't know? See if your father can't pay the rent. Go ask Mickey Mantle. See what he tells you. Mickey Mantle don't care about you, so why should you care about him? Nobody cares. <laughs> Can I ask you something? Sure. Did you shoot that man over Balkan's base? When you get old, you'll understand. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Happy birthday, Greg. Oh, thank you. Yes, this is my birthday month slash week. Yes. Yeah, mate, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. Really has been a festival. People are, people are starting to tease me about it, but that's fair enough. Really? Not really. Forget it. You don't need them. Hey, don't you worry about what other people think. Yeah. You drive a bus and be an American hero. Oh, I was being sunny, but yeah. Oh, yeah, well, there, well, there you go. Well, this is the thing. There you go. Hey, there you go. You could tell that you could be either. It's very astute on your part. I think there's on both sides. Oh, look at us. Ripping right in. Hey, um, <laughs> I can see right into your wardrobe, but is that like intentional? Is that a sound control thing? Well, yeah, exactly. So I've, I've, got, I've set up this little nook in the new place. I wouldn't call this a permanent setup. It's more of a fire hazard than anything. But um, one of the blessings of doing this in the bedroom, because we only have a living space and a bedroom, is the acoustics because, you know, there's a bed, there's brick walls, which you know, it's good for they absorb the echoes. Ah. For extra measure, I opened the closet door, which has a bunch of coats hanging on it, which, you know, I assume I'm coming through real silky smooth. Yeah. It's that... Um it's that gene denim insulation. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> that those hooks on the wall were the I might wear it again. Hooks. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I know the hooks. <laughs> At least your hooks are better than I've got like a you know, like a cubby, It used to be floor. Hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a chair. Yeah, Ara's just like, just put on the hooks. You work your way up through you know, through the, the years and you go from floor, then you get fancy and you have like a dumping chair. Yeah. Or, or credenza. And now look at you. You've got hooks in a cupboard. Well, the thing is, friends of the show can't see this, obviously, but uh, the hooks are at capacity. Yeah. There's, so the I'm structural need a chair integrity soon. of those hooks is being challenged. Yeah. <laughs> you, need a, you do need an overflow chair. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ah, oh, it's good to be back, Greg. Isn't it? It's, it's delightful. You know, I made a real boo boo last week because we didn't record, but I thought, oh, perfect time. Because Greg's birthday festival was in full effect. Yes, I, I was in uh, Tasmania. Lovely part of the world. Without the kids. Oh, even lovelier. It was pretty glorious. Mm. Do a quick promo plug for Tasmanian tourism. You should visit Tasmania. Yeah, go down there. It's good stuff. Yeah. But I thought, oh, well, since we're not recording, why not re-release Ghostbusters 1 since we just did Ghostbusters 2? Oh, yeah. But I accidentally uploaded the file for Ghostbusters 2, so there were just... Two weeks in a row of Christmas too. April Sorry. Fools. Sorry. May Fools. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. Win them back with a bit of soundboard. Wow. Wow. There's going to be a lot tonight, I promise. Uh, what are we doing today? We're doing A Bronx Tale, the the finale in our official miniseries titled 
films where New York is sort of kind of a main character, wouldn't you say? Mm. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of movies set in New York, so it's not the last New York movie we'll do, but it's the last official one for this run of episodes. For, yeah, for, for Burst 1. For Burst 1, yeah, exactly. This was sort of a last-minute pivot because mm. we didn't want to do kids because it's too dark. <laughs> yeah, I just too heavy. yeah, I just didn't feel like watching kids. Like I haven't seen it for a long time. Yes, yeah, so you got to be in the mood for those things. Yeah, I just didn't feel like it. And then we're going to do American Psycho, and I couldn't find that. Funnily enough, couldn't find that anywhere. Did you find it in the states? I didn't look in the end, but it's weird. It's so weird how that happens. I don't get. There must be some weird legal thing yeah, or something. Yeah. There must be some business reason why it contracts happens. contracts and such. Yeah, like. But when it's not available anywhere, it's it's so strange to me. It's no, like, I want to give you money, and I'm yeah. sure I'm oh, like I, I would. I'm ninety nine point seven percent sure that it was on Netflix for the longest time, and now yeah, course, usually the default is you can rent it on Apple. That's usually the fallback, um, but it's not yeah. there. The only thing I can find anywhere is American Psycho two. Um, oh yeah, if you've heard with of that. Mila Kunis. Is it Mila Kunis? I've, I've never seen it. It's a lady. Killing people or thinking about killing people or whatever. Twisted. Mm. Hey, a yeah. Bronx Tale. Yeah. I just got to get this off my chest early. A Bronx Tale. Yeah. Um, yeah. The porn parody is a Bronx Tale, T-A-I-L. <laughs> and it's taken me 40 years, but uh, last night I saw my a, 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 a snippet of my first all male orgy. Right. It was gay porn. <laughs> so at what point did you realize about 30 minutes in? <laughs> yeah, or? In the trailers there was no <laughs> in the credits there was no female names. <laughs> I assume that to be one in there somewhere. It did not pass the Bechdel test that no. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a so, you know, if you Wanted to avoid that do or go for it if that's your thing. It's a Bronx Tale. I, you know, I haven't done the porn parody search for so long because I'm often doing my research um, in on your work laptop. work laptop or I'll be, you know, on the couch in the living room, the kids watching Peppa Pig or, you know, even yeah. on the bus of late. So, you know, you gotta you got to be careful. But It's such like a... A very swift Google, would I do it? It's mm. like search, okay, yep, no, there is, there isn't. All right, close tab, close tab. Yeah. Like it, it's always, it's very, it's usually confronting because when you, I do it, I do Google images and so you just greeted with, if if there is oh. one, you're greeted with some real shit. Thumbnails, yeah. And you usually, you know, you're doing your pod prep first thing in the morning. It's it's, it's a lot to take in. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but, it's you like know, a, I watch them all. A shot of coffee. Well, it's the research we do for, you know, for our friends <laughs> of the show. We do it for you. Exactly. Uh, but this one, but the yeah, original, came out in 1993. Huh. What a year. It was a year. And <laughs> you know what we're going to dive into a little bit now, Tristan, and with, with your help definitely because you oh, know yeah. more on this topic. This was mm. the first year of The Late Show with Conan O'Brien. Wow. Oh. And, you know, we're we're huge friend of the show. We love Conan here. Late Night. Double Late Impact. Night? Is it not? Is it? Oh, damn it. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, because Letterman was a late show. Ah. Uh, this way it gets so confused. I, I, like, spent so much time trolling the interwebs to try and, and I've, <laughs> I've got it all labelled out here, ABC, Jimmy Kimmel Live, currently, just launched in 2003. Yeah. ABC doesn't have a deep legacy of comedy of these sorry, of these shows. No. They had Bill Maher do that show back mm. in, in, in Politically Incorrect. Alec Baldwin had a show on ABC. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is where I need your help. So, sorry, what I'm doing or what, what I intended to do here before I dr- drop the first pass was kind of help people, you know, prep more our um, our fellow country people here in Australia or perhaps outside the US, you know, how this thing works because it's confusing for us. There's the late show, the late, late show. Yeah. There's the Tonight Show, the Tonight, Tonight Show, and I've dropped the ball on the first one. So, okay. So CBS, wait, so NBC. <laughs> they had the, oh, the Tonight Show. Yeah, there it is. That was the OG, and that was oh god damn it! I've already I've already made a meal of this. I'm so confused. 
It's like Game of Thrones shit. I'm so confused. I'd written all these notes. <laughs> so it was Johnny Carson. Yeah, he was he was the Tonight, the Tonight Show. Show. There was someone before him, but Steve I, I'm Allen. not even. Yeah, there you go. Steve Allen in 54, then Jack Parr, but Johnny Carson is the one we probably mostly know. He yeah. did it for like from 62 to 92. Yeah. It's 30 years by my count. Yeah. And then Leno, Leno took over from him. Yeah. And um, and Letterman had wanted to. Because he'd been doing late night after. He'd been doing the with show David after. Letterman. Yeah. Yeah, he had, he had late night with David Letterman. Started in 82. So he thought he was going to be the, the follow-up. But Leno had been Johnny's backup, main backup guy. Leno's a real dirty bastard. He, he, he'd been on Johnny Carson quite a bit. And he kind of weaseled in there and used his chin and nose and didn't get rid of getting with Johnny. So, so and so Letterman, uh, he went to CBS. Yeah. After that, in '93, uh, which was the same year. So Conan got this the late show gig. So he, tonight, tonight show. Late night. Fucking hell. From NBC Studios in New York. It's late night with Conan O'Brien. So Letterman bounced yeah. to CBS. Yeah. And that's what's and he was and when he retired in 2015, he was followed up by Colbert. Yeah. Who's still going. And CBS has the late late show, which is the James Corden one. Yeah. Uh, which is the shittest one. Except for before James Corden, it was the the other guy, Craig Ferguson. He was good. Oh uh, yeah, he was good. He was the Scottish great. guy. Yeah, he did good interviews. Yeah, I liked him. Yeah, he was. He was. I think he was sort of our note, really, wasn't he? It's. Uh, he's good. He's very remember, astute. Yeah. He's, a, he's an astute man. He's an astute. He is an astute man. Yeah. He's very astute on your part. They brought back. They brought back Leno because Conan wasn't doing well in one of the seg- one of the segments. Yeah. He went off and then did his own show on a on a on a cable channel. He bounced. So Conan does late night for however many years, like maybe twenty years or something. I can't remember. Mm. Leno finally leaves. And Conan gets the the gig, the big gig. Mm. And then Leno decides the earlier the earlier late show. Yeah, the the of late shows, the prime time of late shows, which is still like yeah, the eleven o'clock, not the twelve o'clock. It's so yeah. the whole late show thing is so the whole Tonight Show late show late night show thing is so weird. It. Can we just sidebar that for a second? Because it's it? so weird. Yeah, well, this is what I wanted to get to. We have nothing like that in Australia. We had Rove once a week. At, at like 8 Who, p.m. That, that didn't work. <laughs> Is are many people watching TV at midnight over there? I don't. I, I big think, country. I guess so. I think it's a different ball game now because so much of what they do becomes, you know, social uh, on demand. Yeah, YouTube social content on, on demand. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so it's mm, less important. Mm. But I guess culturally, it is true. I guess I, people watched it. So it's it's really strange. But this this dirt bag Jay Leno. He retired. Then once Conan starts, he goes, oh, well, you know what, maybe I don't want to retire. And he, um, they give him another show, which is on right before Conan. Oh, yeah. And basically cuts his grass. And so the Conan Tonight Show doesn't do so well. Because they've already had enough, they've already had enough shtick by then. Yeah, exactly. And then NBC are like, well, why don't we just bump everything back an hour? So, which basically just reverts it all back to what it was. Mm. But the, then the Tonight Show would be at the later slot or whatever, and Conan was like, "Don't do that to the Tonight Show. I'll just leave. Fuck you guys." And you know who's a real hero in all of this? Fucking Jimmy Kimmel, man. There's a few great things he did. He just gave it to Leno. He was like a guest via satellite on, on Leno's thing, where they ask a celebrity ten questions or whatever. Mm. And he did it all very straight faced, and he made almost all the answers about how. Jay Leno fucked over Conan. You're known for pranks. What's the best prank you ever pulled? I think the best prank I ever pulled was I told a guy, I told a guy that five years from now, I'm going to give you my show. And then when the five years came, I gave it to him and then I took it back almost instantly. It was hilarious. Ever order anything off the TV? Like NBC ordered your show off the TV? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Strippers I don't like in general because you have this phony relationship with them for money 
similar to that of when you and Conan were on the Tonight Show together, yes, yes, passing yes. the torch. Right, right, yes, yes. You know what I'm saying. Yes, yes, I yes. do. Yes, I we have lives to lead here. You've, you've got $800 million, for God's sake. Leave our shows alone. <laughs> <I decided to. laughs> that's so good. Oh, wow. That's, that's good. Yeah. It's good shit. Wow. Love it. Fuck, as much as I love talking about late night shows, I guess we should talk about a Bronx Tale. Thank you. For, yeah, <laughs> we should. But I'll just say a quick thank you to Tristan. I I deep I I waded into water deeper than, <laughs> deeper than even after all my research. I was like, I got this. But it makes the point. I think that's exactly the point, though. That it's so complex. It's such a weird cultural phenomenon that is very specific to the US. And it is like a Game of Thrones thing. It's so yeah. interesting. There's a movie called The Late Shift, oh, yeah. which I heard they might be making a sequel of. The Late Shift covers the Jay Leno, Letterman drama. But I heard word on the street was they might be making a sequel about the Leno Conan drama. Why not? Well, you know, there's a common denominator here. Yeah. Jay Leno. Jay Leno's a real piece of work. So just so last final comment is I believe that there's a couple of these guys, there's a bit of chat around a few of these guys wanting to move on from their posts. So it'll be interesting to see the evolution of this show. Yeah. Shows. Well, they're all named Jimmy or James these days, so they could consolidate. Pete Davidson, see him in there. I could see David Spade in there. Did we talk about that recently? I I said it to (laughs) someone. He guest hosted for um, Kimmel once and it was was all right. He kind of has the right demeanor, although maybe we should just have a female one because, you know. There you go. It's been a while. Well, it's never happened. I think Joan Rivers had one briefly. Mm. It didn't didn't work. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep moving because it's that's a long intro. Well, the thing about '93 was it was a it was a big year for late night and Tonight Show and mm. all of the above. Mm. It but, was, but it was a good year, big year for films. Go on, Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, The Fugitive, mm, 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 mm. Schindler's List, The Fame. Indecent Proposal, Cliffhanger, Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, The Pelican Brief. Oh, man. That was, the, that was the top ten. Can I make an observation? Yeah, make it. From that list? Yeah. Big year for film scores. There's a oh. lot of big songs in, like a lot of big scores in those. Your Cliffhanger at the end there you mentioned. Oh, yeah. Jurassic Park, Schindler's List. They all had big, big scores. They did. They did. Jurassic Park, yeah. Na, 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 na. <laughs> Did you know what came in at number 13 that year? The Bronx Tale. Ah, cool runnings. <laughs> ah. Do you know what came in at number 33 that year? Bronx Tale. Nowhere to run. <laughs> Do you know what came in at number 52 that year? No. High Target. <laughs> so both Denim Westerns beat this film. Really? Coming in at 84... In 1993 was a little film called A Bronx Tale. On the streets of the Bronx Is where I want to be Standing on the corner Singing good old harmony uh, Came out in September of 1993 Budget of $10 million With a gross of $17.3 million So yeah, not a huge box office smash But um, so in, in stark contrast To that box office number Are the Rotten Tomatoes numbers so critic score of 97%, mm. audience score of 93%. Mm. Critic consensus, A Bronx Tale sets itself apart from other coming-of-age dramas thanks to a solid script, a terrific cast, and director Robert De Niro's sensitive work behind the camera. Sensitive. That's right. Directed by Robert De Niro, which is something I didn't realise until I watched it this week. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Was it a big one for you, Greg? Absolutely not. This was a, this was a first watch for me. Damn. Damn. Yeah, I, and I and it's not like something I've seen its name pop up here and there, but it certainly at this time, like in the back in the nineties, I didn't know about this movie. Yeah, um, feel a little bit more um, uh, unsurprised with that box office number. Yeah, because I think I don't know. It'd be, it might be interesting to 
look at the US none because that's a global number, right? The yeah. US one might be significantly higher. It might have been more popular there. Um, but it wasn't big here from my memory. No. I would have thought – until last week if I thought this was – I probably thought it was a Scorsese movie. Like if I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and there was four directors, I had to ABC, D it. Yeah. And one of them was Scorsese. I probably would have gone Scorsese. Yeah. It's one of those ones. So I had seen it. Also, I thought I'd seen about the first half of it, as it turns out. But um, mm. I hear you. I feel like I only, and that first half I only watched probably in the last five years or so. It's one of those ones that it's, I've heard of it, but it's kind of on the fringe. It's not one of those must watch. I'm not saying but it's, it's, you shouldn't watch it. I just mean in terms of the general conversation around mm-hmm. films, especially films with mafia in it. You know, we we, yeah. we talk about Goodfellas, we talk about Casino, we talk about many films, but we don't really talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's also, you know, misleading too because it's not really mm-hmm. that similar to that film too. So, yeah, it's to those films. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. But my main memory from the film itself is just the first kid, mm. the first actor that plays C and how I went down a massive rabbit hole in seeing where he'd been up to because he looks so different now. I sent you pictures earlier in the week. Mm. He's all tatted up, you know, like the teardrop tattoo and everything. Mm. And I thought it was such a dweeb in this movie. I literally searched him just just to go, oh, what's this dweeb up to now? And he's gangster. And he generally plays Mm. type. (laughs) Yeah, he's in lots of things. I mean, yeah, he's he's kind of uh, typecast a little bit now. Uh, no, I don't think so. But missed out. But he seems like a nice guy and everything. He does like he does. What did I say that typecast? Yes, but also within that interesting roles. Like he was in um, Veronica Mars. Blood in, blood out. I don't know. That was too early. Actually, no, that's he was probably still a dork. Still, yeah, the same, same time as it. <laughs> but yeah, he's been in Veronica, Veronica Mars, Mars and a few other things. Like he's he's doing interesting things. But yeah, we will talk more about him a bit, little bit later. Mm, mm. So not a big film for you, not a huge one for me. No. It's been around in the periphery but never quite been a main event perhaps. Mm. Should I get into the origin story? Please do. Please do. Origin story. This one's juicy, Greg. So not only is this directed by Bobby, Robert De Niro, a friend of the show Barbie, um, it's based on a play written by Sonny himself, written by Chaz yeah, huh? Palminteri. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Palminteri. Palminteri. He only used three fingers. The he, he Greg's done a good impression of him, by the way. I, I, sometimes I forget you that you can't see this. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes I'll come to edit the show. And there's no sound for like 30 seconds. And I'm like, what is happening? And then I realize we're both doing impressions. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually Bobby. That's our most. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Physical one, isn't it? Yep, same little bit. It is. Yeah, good, good movie. Good fucking movie. Um, I have nipples, Greg. <laughs> can you milk me? So, Chaz Palminteri wrote a play, a one man show, no less autobiographical no less in which based on him in his story he was c he wasn't sunny he was c yeah and um obviously he ends up playing sunny but but it is it is straight up autobiographical his his father was the bus driver he witnessed the murder all that stuff happened it premiered in la in 89 then moved east coast off broadway and um i found well, here's the thing. It, it it went back on Broadway, Broadway in 2007. He's basically been been performing this one-man show ever since. Yeah, wow. Because when I was Googling this today, there, there was a performance last month in Vegas, which is which is kind of crazy. But I found it hard to imagine this as, as a one-man show. So I searched on YouTube to see if there was if there was anything. And I found a little like teaser trailer thing, which is gives you a good sense. Is it? Hey, kid. Oh, yes. Yeah, you don't do that. Okay. Well, that's the thing because when you'll see as I get further into the origin story, they talk about like the script being, you know, basically the same as the one-man show. And I'm like, that's not possible. Like unless he's, yeah, got a ventriloquist dummy or something. So it's it's not the same. That's just Wikipedia being stupid. 
it's him standing there telling stories, basically, and it's it's quite compelling. I'll play a little clip. On this spot here stood the man, Sonny. Shark skin suit, diamond pinky ring. Sonny had five fingers, but he only used three. There was a guy in his left and a guy in his right, Jimmy and Bobo, and they were his bodyguards. They looked like refrigerators with heads. And Sonny wore these skinny, skinny, pointy, pointy black Italian shoes that I can never understand how he got his feet in them. You see, I think that's why Sonny was so tough, because if he could take pain like that, nobody could make him talk. And he would just stand there and tip his hat to all the old ladies walking by with that shopping. And they treated him like a god. And in that neighborhood, he was a god. And I would just sit on my stoop, just 10 feet away, 10 feet away, and I would watch him, watch him, all day and all night. But he never, ever looked at me. Never. Until one day. That one day. Ah, uh, yeah. I think we all know what happened there. But yeah, you can, you can kind of see. That was good. Yeah. It, I mean, he's he's still performing this thing, so I'm going to keep an eye out for that because why not go watch the fucking Bronx Tale? A hundred percent. Oh, yeah, because you live in America. I don't think he's going to be performing at Panthers World of Entertainment anytime soon. <laughs> Fuck, you never know. <laughs> that would be a great venue. Rudy Hill RSL. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's performing this show it does start to get noticed. So he said, uh, after some polishing, the show opened up to positive reviews and soon attracted Hollywood interest. Every director, every studio head wanted to make the movie. They offered half a mil, a mil. Uh, I've seen various numbers thrown around. But he was saying a no bi- to all a, these. A bill? Yeah, maybe a bill. Let's throw it out there. And um, mm. a Bitcoin even. And he basically rejected all of them primarily because he wanted to play Sonny and he wanted to be the screenwriter. So a bit of, we've got a bit of a Stallone-Rocky scenario happening here. Yeah, you got to protect your IP, man. Yeah, 100%. I respect that because I probably would have taken the, the, the first and lowest offer. <laughs> yep. You and me both, pal. Someone wants to buy this podcast for a cheeseburger meal, I'm in. <laughs> it's got to be a double though. Yeah, double. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Large. No ice. You get more coke Ooh. that way. Um. So he's getting these offers while he's still in L.A. Then he takes it to New York off-Broadway. Then in 1990, young whippersnapper Robert De Niro goes and watches it and and meets up with uh, Palminteri uh, after the show in his dressing room. Says this is one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. If not the greatest, this is a movie. This is an incredible movie. And um, he acquired the rights through what he described as a gentleman's agreement with Palminteri. And um, they worked on the screenplay together soon after. But I, I guess part of that gentleman's agreement was that De Niro would get to play Lorenzo and and, and uh, Palminteri would get to play Sonny. Mm. But, yeah, Palminteri is the credited screenwriter, which is, is pretty cool and quite meta when you think about the message of, of the film, which is these two different... Uh, perspectives coming together to create a whole mm-hmm. played by actors who one was a writer and one was a director who came together to create a whole, you know, mm. ooh la la, many things. Um, you know, many things. Then, then they they made the movie Bish Bash Bosh. <laughs> he goes off a film, yeah. right party at the Viper Room. Should we play the trailer? Right party down at the uh, yeah. <laughs> All these years, what have I been telling you? Yeah, I know. Stay in school, get two educations. I know. That's right. This is my life, not yours. This is not for you. No guns. I first met Sonny in 1960. I was nine years old. He was the number one man in the neighborhood. And as I grew, he grew in power. He became a boss. And I was his friend. In a world called the Bronx. 
in a world. I'm your father, I love you. You're breaking my heart. Sonny, trust me. That man can never trust anybody. The sooner you know that, the better. He was caught in a tug of war between his hardworking father. I tell you something, go to school to go to school. You don't understand. It's not what you say, it's what he sees. It's the clothes, it's the cars, it's the money. I treat that kid like he's my son. He ain't your son, he's my son. And the man who owned the neighborhood. Don't you trust anybody? No. It's a horrible way to live. For me, it's the only way. Is it better to be loved or feared? I would rather be feared. Because fear lasts longer than love. What was I gonna do? Run away? Make people think I got no heart? I mean, what makes you think you're so special? Mm. He'll hurt you like anybody. Mm. Sometimes hurting somebody ain't the answer. I know who you are, Sonny, and I know what you could do. This time you're wrong. You don't fool the man's family. So what are you gonna do? Fight this? Stay away from my son! Robert De Niro, Chaz Palminteri. You worry about yourself, your family, and the people that are close to you. That's what it comes down to. A Bronx Tale. Not bad, not bad. I, I was just happy to hear it start with, in a world. <laughs> Called the Bronx. <laughs> so One it's man. A, it's, a, it's a suburb. <laughs> now, I see what he was doing. Now, respect to Don. I know what he was doing with that. It worked. It worked, just yeah. Silly buggers. Yeah, not a bad trailer, Greg. But I think you could give us add a little more color, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, life, oh, life. As a quadragenarian now, I am bestowed <laughs> with an entitlement to impart my self-approved wisdom on people. Or astuteness. Yeah. Oh, where was I? <laughs> um, life. <laughs> Tristan. Yes. Life, Tristan, is about choices. Yes. We are but a sum of our choices. Some of us pick up a pistol, others pick up a fountain pen or something like that. I think that's from <laughs> Die Hard. Now, whether you're a wise guy or a bus driver, your vocation is a result of a series of choices. And the Bronx tale lays out those choices in the two paths of Lorenzo and of Sonny. Lorenzo, the local bus driver, Sonny, the smooth gangster. And in between those two lines, those two ends of the spectrum, is our focus for this film. Collego. Collego? Collegio. Collegio. I'm glad they start calling it C because, man, I just say uh, C walks a line between these two ends of that moral spectrum. One his father, the other his friend and mentor. Both stoic, philosophical and strong, but who have made different choices to form their paths. C is at an impressionable, impressionable age. Impressionable? Yes. <laughs> Faced with the circumstances and scenarios that will force him to choose his own path. Mm-hmm. And that is a Bronx town. On the streets of the Bronx, where I wanna be. Good music in that. You know, they apparently at the beginning of that film they say that they're on every corner. <laughs> is that true? Was there just groups of dudes standing around singing in falsetto on every corner? Can you imagine that? It's funny, isn't it? Because yeah, it's it stood out to me too. Because I would love to believe that's true. But also, it's not like we saw on every cor- we saw many corners in this film. Not one had a dude singing with other dudes in the. Although, did you know, Greg, a Bronx Tale the musical hit Broadway in 2016? Oh, you'd be all over that. Yeah, directed by De Niro, music by Alan Menken. No. Yeah, I've got a trailer. Really? I got a trailer. Let's watch the trailer. Oh, hit it. <laughs> 3 a.m. in the Bronx, New York. I'm on the corner of 187th and Belmont Avenue. This was my neighborhood. This is a Bronx tale. Hey, 
Wow, that was a musical, all right. Yeah, it's so hard to not uh, seeing musicals made of serious films like that. It's so hard not to see them as like a Simpsons parody. Like, it's <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. And you know, dolls. Doctor Zeus, yeah, Doctor Zeus. That was yeah. But I think it was okay. I mean, I didn't read reviews, but it ran for two years, so I guess it must have been something. Someone was going. Yeah, I mean, and I think it what is hard you- to watch like a a trailer for a musical on YouTube. I think if you're in the room on the day, then you, you get it, you get amongst it. But for it it yeah, does come well, across as a weird, a weird vibe it looks, <laughs> in this yeah, context. It looks like you've hit the musical button on a movie, like a, a musical filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what did I think? Were we about to say what did I think of this film? Yeah, I was going to say what did, yeah. you, what, did you, what did you think? Well, it was quite an adventure because I realised at some point that I hadn't seen it all and so it was quite different to what I expected at a certain point. But then in hindsight, I don't mm-hmm. know what I expected because I hadn't seen the rest. I guess I was just yeah. expecting more of a Goodfellas clone maybe because the beginning of it very much feels like it's heading that way and then it kind yeah, of – you. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of pivots to this love story. And I was like, oh, is this a sweet movie? Like, it, yeah. And it was kind of. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. It wasn't as much of a gangster movie as I thought it was going to be. It was more kind of gangster adjacent. Mm. You kind of got like the one one foot in each camp. It's really just a, it's more of a coming of age story that happens to be taking place on a street where a guy named Sonny is highly influential. So, yeah, it, it's. It's, it had heart, unexpected heart. It wasn't just another like mm. anti-hero mafia guy that they make sympathetic. It was more like, no, he's a bad guy, but yeah, but he had some interesting points to make. Um, yeah, it almost felt like a John Singleton movie, like Boys in the Hood or something, where it's like, yeah, I don't know how to articulate it, but the heart thing. I think of Boys in the Hood and higher learning, and it felt it, mm. amongst those, it, it, it feels not too dissimilar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. How about you? Yeah, um, same. I, I and I was pretty confused because I kept waiting for it, and even the poster. Like, so I forgot to yeah. do the old synopsis, oh, um, yeah, having not seen to. it, which was annoying because that would have been way off, right? I would have gone, yeah, Goodfellas Town. Um, and the poster is very leads you down that path as well. You know, it's got the two yeah. faces. It's like a face off. And you don't um, assume that De Niro's playing a bus driver in that poster, right? You no, think it's he doesn't. Two no, he looks, or, yeah. he, looks, he looks menacing. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of like having a mouthful of juice, but I was expecting whiskey. Ah. You know, my taste buds were a bit confused. It's very astute yeah. And it was like, I think John Singleton's a better example, but I was saying it was kind of like a, there was like notes of Disney almost. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I think especially when you're not expecting it. Expectations are a yeah. funny thing, aren't they? And sometimes it can, you know, uh, uh, surprising you versus your expectations can be a good thing. But also, like you said, yeah, if you're expecting one thing and it hits different, it can at least initially feel a bit funny. So there was a zone for a yeah. while in this film where I felt a bit funny. Like uh, almost, yeah. um, fuck, what's the, what's the JCVD movie that he directed? Oh my god! Why am I forgetting that? This is important. That's an important text. JCVD's quest. Um, the quest. Yeah, of course, the quest. Once I once the credits opened and it was directed by De Niro, I was like, "Oh wait, what the fuck?" I started keeping an eye out for any like cheesy or directorial debut by an actor notes, <laughs> like the quest. Mm. And then I think mm. at parts, I don't think it was. I think net net it wasn't, but there were. Moments where I was like, "Oh, is this almost yeah, like a sickly sweet Disney thing?" Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. But I don't think it is. I think in the end, it kind of evens out. It's a nice mixture of all of the above. Yeah, but um, such is life. One might argue. Mm. Oh, mm. yeah. I we're waiting for it to turn dark. I was when well, then I, it did. I saw a clip on, but t- a different kind of dark, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. I mean, it's pretty bad, like tough in points, tough at points. I mean, you know, kids die. Heavy. Kids, yeah, there was racial bullshit. And well, that's the thing, too, because once I realized I hadn't seen it, once he essentially gets the girl and there's still 25 minutes left, I got very tense. 
because I'm like, okay, well, something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like yeah. something bad's yeah. going to happen. And so I, I was almost relieved when it was just his friends that died. <laughs> yeah. Almost, yeah. I think fully. he even said something similar. Like it was almost a relief. So I guess we're on the same page. But um, yeah, I was like stressed out because I was like, oh, no, wait, this is one of those movies that's going to make me fucking cry, isn't it? And then, um, mm. but then it's all right. Just the racist jerks died. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, the burnt corpse. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think on that point it took, like I watched the end and I was like, huh, I'm like, okay. And then I think writing my notes yesterday, which, which was like sort of two, three days after I watched the film, was mm. probably the right time because if, you know, you yeah. can marinate on it a little bit and it's got a good aftertaste. You realise it's a balanced, pretty balanced yeah. film and it's just – not it's a more of a it is definitely more of a coming of age film than a gangster film. Yeah, it's just yeah, as you say, gangster adjacent. Because nice adjacent, I wonder. Yeah, because it really it almost plays along all the tropes for the first half almost. But then there's like distinct moments where it pivots, like when he cowers in the corner in the bar fight. Mm. Like yeah. where I thought, oh, that's going to be the moment where he steps up and saves Sunny kills from, a couple of guys. Yeah, and like. Yeah. But it, that doesn't happen. Like it's a softy, and that's a. It's it's yeah. like oh, this is, this is not that story. This is this is not Henry Hill. Yeah. This is a whole yeah. other thing. Yeah, yeah. It was Just on that point around the early tropes, was it you that sent me the? It was a TikTok little explanation on the importance of the opening of a film, and how oh. it frames the audience's oh, expectations, yeah. expectations of what they're going to see. Yeah, I did send you that. Yeah. It was, was basically yeah, it was it was a clip on TikTok and the guy sort of elaborates a bit more on that idea that um, the importance you know if it's, it's a, the audience will frame themselves up for the type of movie you're going to show them based on what you show them first yeah. and Unconsciously. that's the sort of headset headspace yeah. they get in yeah yeah so that you can prepare them for action you can prepare them for a slow drawn out sort of thing I send that to you because it I think it speaks to how we talk about you know how one week we can poo poo a well-received movie and another week praise a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. It's because of that kind of thing because you're framed up for a certain type of experience mm. and it either delivers or misses. But, yeah, sorry, continue. Mm. Well, that's kind of it, yeah. And this one, it, it is a really good film. So by the end or a little bit after the end you realise that. But had it not been as strong a film as it was and you go thought you were getting a gangster movie and you get yeah. not that, you'd be like, oh, that was pretty shit. Maybe that's why it didn't do the rounds in the, you know, teenage boy or the the first wave of DVD culture for you know yeah. young. Yeah, it, <laughs> not, it doesn't tick those boxes. <laughs> it doesn't quite. Yeah, so that's interesting. I want. It's almost. It's not violent enough, basically. Yeah, it, I've, I haven't read any reviews of this. I I obviously didn't know much about it at the time. I wonder to what extent that is like almost a conscious plot twist. Mm. That it is kind of like paint by numbers a little bit that's over that's oversimplifying it but in the beginning it, it feels like okay yeah 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 and then big subversion i wonder if that was like the plan um but either way Quite possibly because yeah. it feels like based on that cover and based on de niro being in it yeah surely yeah they set it up that way well i don't know it feels that way at least i don't know this summer de niro is a bus driver <laughs> mm. bus yeah. driver but um, yeah. I guess the only thing plot-wise that I I was a bit like funny about was it felt like Jane forgave him suddenly. Mm. Like she's mm. like, oh, my brother told me the truth. Oh. You helped him. I'm like, but he didn't really help him. He just didn't hit him. Yeah. Like everyone, he didn't stop anyone from beating the shit out of him. Like I, it felt a bit weird. That's, that was my only little, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it happened. It happened quite quick. She. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess you know she wanted probably wanted to forgive, but she like Nabidi also yeah, did true. call brother the N word. Yeah, but maybe man. I don't know. Maybe not. It was a bad thing, but maybe it was like it did get thrown around a little bit more back then. So maybe it was like, yeah, others. true. And they're all teenagers, and teenagers are idiots, man. Like when we were teenagers, mm. we were idiots. You did stupid shit, and then I guess you forgive each other for stupid shit. They nearly cut that whole bit out. Apparently, the um, whole um, C and Jane romance. Was nearly taken out. Really? What's left yeah. then? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I I don't know um, if De Niro fought for it, given you know he's obviously he's 
had two marriages to African American women. I don't know if it was yeah. like a, him standing festa, you know, so like I want to make this point. I don't know. Yeah. But um, it's good they keep it because it was a really sweet, it was nice. That's the differentiator. That's like the the plot twist almost. It's it's the it's the yeah. thing that's like it's the heart. It's the heart, man. Yeah. I wonder what if they you know it's interesting because if it's Palmel Terry's sort of um bio, mm. you could almost have it like a you you can't really have both those too much. But him wanting to get into the arts, but all you know, like but it's all his all the tough guys around him, like a yeah. Billy Elliot type. He wants to. I just want to act. Yeah. There's a well. You got to watch Give Barry. Him as an actor. You got to watch Barry for that. Oh, I haven't seen Barry. It's good. You told me about just, Barry. This is yeah. this is one of those shows that I would just one hundred percent, without hesitation, say you should one hundred percent watch. Hundred <laughs> percent. So good. Hear that, so people? One hundred percent. Get around Barry. But yeah, the I think the uh, the heart of the film is uh, is pretty important, and I think the um, yeah, you can't the, you can't live without your heart, Tristan. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I think uh, we've touched on this already. But the, just the these these two father figures, mm-hmm. and at points, even as the viewer, you you kind of choose sides a little bit. But I, I but I love that the film really positions both of these guys as. I mean, obviously one is a bad guy. There's no gray area. Mm. He's, he's a bad dude. Mm. He has a soft spot for this kid and it gives him some advices and some of them are good. And, it, you know, in combination with the complimentary advice that his own dad gives him, these are the, the combination of these two things is is well-rounded life view, essentially, mm. which I, I really responded to. I've always been like, uh, I'm sure we've talked about this on Drunken Nights and things, but like I've always been a big believer in like the the influence of, you've got influence of your parents, but then there's the influence of other key figures outside of family, mm. which often it's friends and I guess in a bizarre scenario it could be a mafia guy that lives down the street. But And then thinking about when you have kids, can you even control that? Yeah, 100%. There's, um, there's a really famous... Um Book called Raising, uh, what's it called? Raising Boys, Raising Boys, oh, yeah. Raising Boys. That sounds and it's like, like a the, thing, yeah. Steve Bidolf is his name, and he's kind of like the the global kind of oracle on uh, children's psychology. Right, and it's a bit of like this book's kind of like a mandatory read type thing if you've got if you've got a young a young boy. He's written Raising Girls since as well. Um, right. But, yeah, he talks to that exact point. He said um, he sort of goes through these stages, outlines these stages of influence in a boy's life and it sort of starts off as the mum of of the mother until the boy's about five or six or seven even Um, and then the need for um, the father figure. But Mm. the external um, male figures, it becomes really important as well. So, yeah, Yeah. just kind of reaffirming your, your, your point yeah, it, it's like a crucial stage of uh, of male development is, is external influences and role models. So, I yeah, butcher that a little bit, but it's it's good reading if if you're into into that. And there's like, I mean, it makes me so stressed about having kids and like, how do you even you can't maybe totally control that. But man, I look back at my childhood and think I had a perfect balance, and, and similar to like the family versus outside of family, like the book smart versus street smart. Not that his dad necessarily represented book smart, but it was definitely like conventional wisdom, I suppose, maybe. Mm, mm. Again, all these things where sometimes it's either or. I love when the answer is it's both. You need both. Mm. And and that you can learn things from bad people. Like just because you're not, you know, this, you don't agree on many everything their point of view can still provide some sort of value. So I, I just, yeah, mm. I, I feel like we don't see as much of that kind of thing these days. If anything, or if it's a mafia movie, it's like a sympathetic anti-hero and you, you're sold into why what he's doing is good. Like I feel like in this movie, they don't really make Sonny that sympathetic. Like he's pretty black and white, a bad guy. He just has developed a soft spot for this kid, really, that he... Mm. He doesn't really fuck over. He essentially helps him. Mm. Yeah. And it just expo- we just get to see the, you know, under the under the mask a little bit and here he's just like a philosophical sort of guy, isn't he? 
Yeah, yeah. He had going around quoting Machiavelli and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Machiavelli in this Illuminati. All through you, all through yeah. your body. Is that um? Are they riding the two pack wave there? Yeah, three? I think so. Oh, speaking of, you know, it's so funny. It's so funny. Fucking watching this, I was like, oh right, the the episode where Bart gets stuck with the mafia. Obviously, he took inspiration from this. No, <laughs> that came out two years before this movie. Did it? Yeah, isn't that crazy? I mean, the play had already been out, so I don't know if the Simpsons writers had seen the play or what, yeah. or if it's more of a... Yeah, quite possibly. But it's pretty funny. For, and before I knew it was a play, I was thinking, fucking origin story, De Niro watched an episode yeah. of The Simpsons one day. <laughs> That's so a movie. Funny. That's a movie. I'll tell you what's a fucking movie. Clown College. A Bronx Tale Part 2, and it's called... The Bronxening. The Rebronxening? It's called... One night at the limelight. I made it up. I'm making this up. Oh, you know why? You know why? So obviously, this this film is autobiographical um, of of Palminteri, and uh, another autobiographical moment that I think has has value on film is when he was a bouncer alongside Dolph Lundgren mm. at a club called the Limelight. What? Yeah, and that place was a vibe, man. I was looking it up before. It was in an old church in Chelsea, and it was it seemed as crazy as like a Studio Fifty Four type of thing. That I read, I was reading these old interviews of people that worked there and stuff. And one's like, "Oh yeah, I walked in on Dolph Lundgren and Grace Jones having sex once, and she threw a shoe at me." And like, there's just looseness abounds, and it seems amazing. And make that movie, please. <laughs> yeah, and keep that scene in there, but make sure that <laughs> pretend that Grace Jones doesn't throw the shoe for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> but how's that? I love a good That's what I was hoping for when I looked up the Bronx Tale. Yeah, T A T A I L. I was um, trying to find a birthday present for you, and I nearly got you a cameo from Dolph Lundgren. It's fucking <laughs> five hundred bucks. And I'm like, five hundred bucks. You'd be happier with five hundred bucks cash than a cameo from. <laughs> yeah, and like a and like an A4 printed picture of Dolph that you've photoshopped. Yeah. Happy birthday, Greg! In a speech bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember <laughs> saying that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, five hundred bucks. I got, I got a cameo from a from a mate recently. A guy I do work with and. He got one of the old um, rugby league legends to to say it. And oh yeah, the, the guy's just like, "Hey, Greg, so excerpt name uh, here. Yeah, here you're a bit of a Tigers fan. Uh, it's pretty hard going at the moment, mate, because uh, we're losing heaps." Um, yeah, and he was like, "But uh, you know, hang in there. Uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll get better. And uh, good on you, mate." <laughs> and the guy's <laughs> mate was like, "Yeah, he didn't say anything that I wrote." <laughs> Like, could you write a message that they? That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay, mate. Thanks. Fuck. They're not all like that. Some of them are good. I mean, it was good. It was still good. It's still novelty. But yeah. Well, I might. I might just get you a Frank Stallone one because he's more affordable. (laughs) (laughs) Probably would be faster too. Maybe he'll sing "Happy Birthday" to you. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Hey, but this 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 film is is one in a series of films that we're doing, Greg, about New York. So I guess we should mm. do a little New York evaluation. Mm-hmm. How New York is it? Um, I don't know. Overall, would you say New York is a main character? I, I guess so. The Bronx is. Yeah, it's a bit different to the other New York movies we've been doing. Mm. It's pretty much all takes place on one street in Queens. FYI. Yeah, right. It's not even, yeah, yeah. It's all in Astoria. (laughs) It's not even in the Bronx. Yeah. Because that's the next thing. Is it really shot there? So technically it is shot in New York, but in Queens, not in the Bronx. A Queen's Tale. A Queen's Tale. Even even more misleading. (laughs) You don't know what you're getting. (laughs) Yeah, and then so same goes for then like coverage of New York. It's mostly one street and then it's, in Queen, which is still New York, but you know it doesn't match the title. Mm. But it is inextricably linked to the plot. Yeah, I would say. And you know, two yeah. yellow taxis and hot dogs, not so much. But you know what? They did have Greg. They had a good old fashioned game of stickball. 
I was going to say that that <laughs> the baseball thing they is it called stickball? Is it? Yeah, I think it's stickball. I I've never stick, been clear on what stickball was, but they had sticks. It's just baseball, I guess, but with a stick. Street. It's like cricket. It's very close to cricket. Yeah, but it's just like it's if you don't have a real is. baseball, it's just this. It's just some yeah. kind of broomstick or something. I would have been a stickballman for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm about yeah. it. Breaking newsy, windows. Little newsy you hat. You damn kids! <laughs> oh I man, I saw. I saw one of those things on Facebook the other day and it was like a restoration slash colorization of like some video from New York in the 20s, all these kids. And they were just like old men as little kids. It was fascinating. Like their little yeah, newsy probably, caps and their suspenders. They died at like 25 as well. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Smoking cigarettes. Oh. Uh, street <laughs> no, They were adults when they were kids, basically. Yeah. Street Tufts. This film has a good selection of street oh. toughs. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. It almost makes up for all the films we've done without street time. <laughs> yeah, right? It's about fucking goddamn time that we got these guys. So that's a that's a big New York yes from me. Um, iconic New Yorker cameo. Now, this is a grey area. I guess you could argue maybe Joe Pesci, even though he's from New Jersey. But I guess he's quite representative I'd, of a I'd certain give pocket it to of him. New York. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy that none of the films we've done have had this, by the way. I thought this would yeah, be the easiest uh, did one. We just, did we just base <laughs> it off Home Alone 2? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it backfired. But it's yeah, interesting. Big time. It's interesting, you know. Yeah. There's a learning there. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it on the tin? Yes. Sure is. The Bronx Tale. It's right there. It's on the label. It's right Tale. there. Um, did you have anything else? I had a couple of things. I really wanted to um, touch on um, Ilo Broncato, Brancato Jr. Oh, uh, yeah. played um, the main C, the sort of teenage C. He's Colombian. Uh, I thought he – yeah, he's Colombian. Well, he, yeah, he's Colombian and then he was adopted, adopted. by an um, Italian-American family. I consider myself Italian. I was bred to, re- to eat pasta. Yeah, I eat a lot of pasta. I'm not Italian. But no, but he obviously, I mean, it's a pretty, I think he legitimately grew up in an Italian-American house. So, yeah, man, these are interesting. And, you know, we've talked about some of the synergies with, uh, you know, this film being made uh, and the kind of two spectrums coming together. Mm. This guy was kind of like, there's a lot of art imitating life going on here. So this kid was found by a scout on like Long Island or some shit. Um, yeah, because he looked Beach. like Joe. He looked like Robert De Niro, like the kid yeah. they thought. Yeah. So they got him into read lines, and he was doing impersonations, and they're like, "This kid's awesome." Yeah. So he was pretty talented, and I think you know he was sort of straddling this life. He became he blew up after this film somewhat. Yeah. But around when he started when he made this film, he started getting into drugs. Yeah. And both um, Palminteri and and De Niro were like, you know, at him like a man. And I think De Niro even went around to his house, sat down with his parents because his parents, you know, knew nothing of the world of fame and, you know, nor should they. Um, But he was sort of explaining the the pitfalls and dangers associated with it and how easy it is to get swept up with the wrong crowd and do the wrong things. And, and, And rather tragically he went down that path um, and was, you know, getting into, you know, robberies and things and ultimately was um, him and his girlfriend's dad were robbing somewhere and got interrupted by a cop and the, the girlfriend's dad shot the cop and he died. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and so he, he was trialled for murder. Um, yeah. But he uh, ended up getting, you know, a series of charges around the robbery. He got not guilty on the murder but he went to jail for, yeah. like, was it 10 years? He was like sentenced to 10 years. years, but I think he got out in eight or something. But, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a long stretch, man. The other guy yeah. got pro- um, life without parole. So, like, proper uh, life-changing shit. Yeah. Um, and it's just fascinating, like, that that played out because he was literally walking the path of his character, you know, the, the light or yeah. the dark path. There's even that quote from De Niro in the film that goes, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, man. It's a quote in the film. You know, like he, it's Damn. crazy. Like I don't know. You you sort of wonder did did De Niro just wedge that in because it's like it's so 
we don't know what talent this kid has, to be honest, in the film. Like he's a pretty quiet sort of unassuming kid. It's not like he's a prodigy of stickball. Um, <laughs> so it was, yeah, it's just like it's it's one of those ones where you're like, whoa, that's – and he is good, man. He's like – He is good. Great. He is good. Yeah. He, I kind of forgot he was in this and he first came to my attention in Sopranos and yeah. coincidentally I thought, fuck, he should play a young De Niro or something because he fully looks oh, like really? him. Oh, <laughs> really? And he was such a yeah. – yeah, he was such a loose unit in Sopranos like he – yeah. Like a like in the same way that it's hard, you know, once you see Joe Pesci act crazy, it's like you have that impression of him as a guy. So it was another thing in watching this movie was, yeah, seeing him be quite sweet was like yeah unexpected. But um, yeah, that's fucked up. It's heavy shit. I didn't realise it was the girlfriend's dad that he was with. It's, uh, yeah, wild. Hey. I get, well, and this is the whole thing, exactly what we are just talking about, right? That you fall into the wrong crowd and before you know it, fucking Jesus. Yeah. But you make those choices, you know, like, you know, you yeah. get in that car or, you know, it's, it's but a also sad you're a kid. reality of life. Well, he wasn't yeah, a kid, I, know, I guess. I, know. I don't, it's not yeah. like a, oh, well, you chose to, like, it's not, it's less about judging. It's just more of a, when it yeah, boils no, down, the net, you know, the, it's the choice. Yeah. Yeah. Not that, but choices can be influenced because you're a kid. That's right. It's, oh, it's very tough. Yeah. Oh, it's, because he nearly got in the car. Oh, oh. I think that's the thing the too, even though he didn't want his to be friends are, Yeah, his friends are jerks, but it's relatable. Like you do shit you don't agree with when you're a teenager because everyone else is every, Exactly. I'm sure every teenager has been in a car they didn't want to be in and like going, yeah. this doesn't feel right. We're up to, we're going the wrong direction. But anyway. Yeah, definitely. But he's out and he's acting again and he seems like a pretty cool guy. So hopefully he gets some, uh, you know, later life vindication and his talents are put to good use. Fair enough. Lilo Brancato. Friend of the show. Yeah. Good on you. Should we get into Voidics? Yeah, let's get into the Voidics. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. I don't really have an astute overall thought on this one. It's a good movie. I guess I guess my, the main thing would be that this occupies a pretty unique space. So if hmm. it's not it's not a Goodfellas clone. And if it was, I probably would have said we'll just watch Goodfellas instead. But this, yeah, this occupies its own unique little mm-hmm. area, which is fucking good. And it's got heart. You can watch yeah. this one with a wife. You can watch mm-hmm. this one with anyone. It sounded sexist mm-hmm. when I said that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was letting it ride. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, genuinely, I'm watching it. I thought, oh, Ara would have liked this actually. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, absolutely rewatch it. De Niro's directorial debut, and it's good. Fucking watch it if you haven't, and if you yeah. have, watch it again. I'm gonna watch it again. I'll watch at it at some again. point. Yeah, it's a rewatch for you then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I'll watch it knowing what I'm expecting and hopefully have a yeah. smoother ride. Yeah, yeah. Um, did Simpsons do it kinda? Like I was saying, that whole when Bart becomes a gangster, it it was more overtly Goodfellas, but the whole him being mm. a kid and doing all that shit mm. was very much this. But it came out before, so who knows? Simpsons works in mysterious ways. Um, does a porn parody? Greg did some deep research on that one, and I think he can conclude that. How many stars did you give that porno, Greg? Uh, <laughs> Is it a rewatch? Well, well, if there was a star per <laughs> per star, there was there was too many stars in the. There was too many bodies on the camera to count. It was a blur, a blur of flesh. <laughs> Ten stars. Uh, Bechdel test? No, but I feel like that's it's not that kind of movie. Like this movie. Yeah, there's a, yeah. Is what it yeah. is. Um, we get explosions, so I think that counts as FX test passed. Well, and also just, the, you know, they've, it's it's shot in the 90s and it's set in the 50s, so, you know, that's a period yeah, piece. Yeah, true. Yeah, yes, yes, true, true, true. It's so funny. The older the movie is that also is a period piece, the less you even notice it's a period piece because you just, you just kind of watch it yeah. thinking it was made in the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I didn't do recasts on this one. Didn't you know how sometimes it just feels like a recasty thing, and sometimes it doesn't. This one didn't yeah. grab me as a recasty. Oh, I've got a real. I've got one you'd like. Okay, because it's it's uh, set in England. Oh, okay, yeah. This is a good kind of recasty. Tom, it's Tom Holland and Zendaya. <laughs> Who's this? Tom dad? Holland's Jason Statham. Oh, okay. Tom uh, Tom Hardy is Sonny. Go straight upstairs. Don't hang around. Go straight upstairs. And Tom, yeah, Tom Hardy is in it. He's Sonny. Oh, Tom Hardy's Sonny. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, nice. Easily interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, they, they go, they turn up on set. Wait a minute. I read for, I read for Sonny. Oh, oh, we've put you as the bus driver. That's all right. All right. <laughs> I'm a bus driver now. Could I still kick something? <laughs> yes, sir. You're a, you're a karate bus driver. <laughs> uh, okay, that's good. The best recast is when it's a new concept like that or a relocation or something. Yeah, it's mm, nice. With it's the nice. biggest stars in the world, the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I just think there'll be chemistry between Tom Holland and Zendaya. I don't know. I just think there'll be chemistry there. you got a good eye for that. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. I agree, but mm. I feel like you've well, you we'll got see. a good eye for that. Yeah. You have MVP? MVP? Yeah. I, I think I'll give it to Bron- Brocardo. Yeah. Okay, yeah, oh, cool. Oh, sorry. No, I thought you said the same thing. You didn't say the same thing. No, I said different. Yeah. Maybe I'm that's... just reading his story. Anyway, they're all good. Well, I liked it. Man, good. I'm a sucker for that too and that's why I chose um, Pal Pal Minterra. Yeah, that's fair. It's, it is his store, uh, story. Um, that makes sense. And I felt like his, his gangsterman was a slightly mm. different version to I liked what we'd it. seen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I might go and yeah. watch analyze this, see how he goes with <laughs> alongside when they're both gangsters. Is he in that? Yeah, they're both in it. Yeah. Dinner on and Chaz. Oh, was that based on his one man show? Another one man show? Uh, oh Billy Crystal. The delightful Billy Crystal. Analyze Crystal's this, involved. analyze that. Oh yeah, Billy Crystal. <laughs> what do you want? I'm analyzing over here. Yeah. Uh, all right, what are we doing next week? We don't know yet. Oh, my God. Oh, Carol's just texted me saying um, Bruce's soccer game is actually 20 minutes earlier than she had told me. What are oh. we doing next week? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It'll be something good, though. Something, something we just want to do. Yeah. Until then, hey, leave us a review. We got a couple last week. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, we yeah, appreciate we'll get, it. Yeah, it really helps us. Good. Yeah, and uh, if it, if you're an old friend of the show that's already written a review, just you know go on and write another. Like just write show is good and put five stars. That would be fine. show is very good. Five stars would recommend. It was 10 really out of 10. good. Have a great week and take care of yourselves and each other. And each other. That's cool. <laughs> Peace.